Amen. Well, we are entering into a new book today. As uh, we entered into a new book on uh, Thursday, I'm sorry, on Sunday, uh, we are also entering into a new book today. On uh, Sunday, we've been talking, while well, we entered into the book of Hebrews, which is uh, just, you know what, it's going to be a, a, a blessing going through that book. And we know that much that is written in that book is, has to do with the, uh, with the ceremonies that, uh, that is done by the priest. And, and now we're here in the book of Leviticus. You know, we're starting both books on the same week. And I want to talk about this because, see, it's, the book is all about the, uh, the, uh, the matters of the Levites. And it is about the responsibilities that the priests were to do in the, temp- in the tabernacle. And I do want to share with you some of uh, uh, some introduction to this. I want to just give you some insight so we know where we're at and what's going on here. But uh, this book, Leviticus, you know, when we look at this title, we know that there was a tribe of Levi. But I want to share one thing about the title Leviticus. What it means, it means the matters of the Levites. And as I shared earlier, just a few seconds ago, it talks about the Levites' responsibilities and their instructions that they were given when it came to carrying out the worship of God. And one thing that we know about the book of Leviticus is that it was written by Moses. And Moses was given these instructions. He was given these instructions as they were spoken to him by God and he penned them so that we can have them. And we think to ourselves, well, when was this book written? I want to share this with you. The Exodus, the Exodus out of Egypt, that took place in 1445 B.C. Okay, so the Exodus, when the, Jew, when the Jews, the Israelites, left out of Egypt, it was 1445 B.C. And it took a year for the Levites to build the tabernacle. We know one thing is that after the Israelites left Egypt, it took them two and a half months to get to Mount Sinai. And when they got to Mount Sinai, the, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses and he gave them instructions that had to do with the law, with the statutes of God. And he gave them instructions on the tabernacle. And so this is where we're at now. You know, it took them after that nine and a half months after that to complete the tabernacle. And so we're here. And what is the book of Leviticus? What is its purpose? I'm going to share its purpose to you. And its purpose is a call to holiness. I want us to understand that as we've heard many times the Lord say, you know what? Be holy for I am holy. And that is his desire that we would be a people that are set apart for him. That are totally dedicated and consecrated and devoted to the Lord. See this book many say, but you know what? What does the temple and the tabernacle duties have to do with us as you will see as i was reading the book of leviticus there are many principles that the lord is going to teach us through this book and i want to talk about those because see the book begins by talking about sacrifices that's what we're going to read about the first five chapters have to do with sacrifices and i'm going to break these sacrifices up for you 
Because the first three chapters have to do with sweet and savor offerings to God. And then the next two have to do with sin offerings to God. And let's talk about this. Let's talk about sacrifices. And what we're going to talk about here is we're going to talk about animal sacrifices, right? And we know that in our society today, you know what? We don't like animal sacrifices, right? It's repulsive to people, isn't it? You know, when we think about animals that have been sacrificed, you know what? We don't like that. Even my kids these days, right? My kids are, you know what? When the animals get hurt, Dad, I don't want to look at that. But I want to share this with you. When we think about the animal sacrifices, when we look at why they were sacrificed, there was a reason behind it. And it's important for us to understand that this was practiced in the Middle East. And unfortunately, when we look at our nation today, some people care more about animals than they do people. And that was never meant to be. See, because when you look at what happened in the Middle East and what was common at that time, what was common at that time was also sacrificing people to God. Do you see how our society is very much similar to that, isn't it? Where people love animals more than they love people. And people, and at this time, people were sacrificing children and people to gods. You know why they did that? Because they thought that their worship, if they were sacrificing people, that they thought to themselves, you know what, this is a greater devotion to these gods because I'm willing to give people to them instead of animals. See, animal sacrifice was very common. But the Lord wants us to understand a few things when it comes to sacrifice. You know, when people would worship their gods, as I've been talking about, they would sacrifice animals. You know, they were devoting, they were giving these animals as, as worship to their gods. But see, our God has a different purpose when it comes to sacrifices. See, our God is saying when you sacrifice something, you are acknowledging that you've fallen short, that you've missed the mark. See, everything pointed to God. And when the Lord instructed His people to sacrifice animals, he was telling them, this is an acknowledgement of your sin. See, you've got to restore this fellowship between me and you. And these animal sacrifices are a way to do that. See, it was showing God that someone has a repentive heart. And their desire was to restore the fellowship that had been broken because of sin. See, the other thing that the sacrifices displayed was that these people devoted themselves to the Lord. And for the Jews, the Jews were sacrificing because what? They were sacrificing because of their obedience, because God had shared with them. God had told them that they needed to do this. But let's talk about all of this, right? I mean, when we think about it, 
When we think about our sins, what happens when we sin? Let's, th- let's talk about this. When, when I think of myself or when you think about the sins that you've done, when you've sinned against another person, what does that do with your relationship with that person? It breaks it, right? It breaks that fellowship. It breaks that love and that friendship with one another. You know, if you steal something from your family members, they're not going to talk to you, right? They're going to be mad at you, and they're going to they're ask that you pay them back. And even when you pay them back or take, give back what you stole, there's still some strife between the both of you. What about when you commit adultery with your spouse, against your spouse? What happens there? It begins to break apart your marriage, right? See, when we have this concept of what sin does, it's the same way with God. It breaks our fellowship with Him. And so this is why there were sacrifices to restore broken relationships with Him, the people. It was a way that people were telling the Lord, you know what, I'm devoting myself to you. I'm sorry about the sin that I've done. And this sacrifice that I'm giving to you is going to restore my relationship to you. See, there are reasons why God does what He does. And this is what we're going to read about today. You know, the first five chapters have to do with Five different offerings. Five different sacrifices. And the first one we're going to be talking about is burnt offering. And when we think about all of this, I always want you to have in the back of your mind the one that paid the price for us. See, because all of this pointed to who? It pointed to Jesus Christ and the ultimate sacrifice that he did for you and for me, which was what? Giving up his life for us, right? So that we can live. So that as we place our faith in him, it's going to restore the fellowship between us and God. This is what sin has done. It has broken our, our fellowship with him. See, we were all created to have a relationship with God. It's not based on religion about the do's and the don'ts to get closer to God. God wants us to know Him intimately. He wants us to have a loving, beautiful, close, intimate relationship with Him. And what happens is when we sin, it breaks that. And so the only way to restore this relationship is when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. So again, just have that in the back of your mind as we talk about these Various sacrifices or offerings. Let's begin to read in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock, of the herd and of the flock. You know what? I want to share this with you. Remember last week what we talked about? We talked about how the Lord, when they finished the tabernacle, 
how the God's presence was there in the tabernacle. The glory of God was there, the Shekinah glory. God's presence was in that place. And this is exactly what happens after. God calls Moses. And you know what's so awesome about what he says? And what he's telling them to do? You know what's awesome about all of this? Is that he's telling them about sacrifices. And why would he share about sacrifices? Because he wants the relationship between him and his people to be restored. The first things out of his mouth is sacrifices. Because he knows that their sin separates them from God. And with this sacrifice, it brings them closer to God. You know, the first words out of the Lord is, you know what, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, bring an offering. Bring an offering. You know, I want you, I want you to devote yourselves to me. I want you to restore your fellowship. And why is this? Because God's love is great. His love is so great for His people that He doesn't want anything to separate them. And He knows that with these sacrifices, the relationships will be restored. And the first thing He says, you know what? I want you. I want you to bring offerings of livestock, of the herd and of the flock. These are domesticated animals. These are ox, bulls. You know, it talks about uh, sheep, goats. You know what? I want you to sacrifice them to me. Offer them to me. Why is it that, you know what, he talks about sacrifices here? Is this the first time that things have been sacrificed to the Lord? It's not. You know, when we look at Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, or chapter 3. It talks about the sin of Adam and Eve. And did you know that in chapter 3, when they sinned, what was the first thing that they brought? They, 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 they got to cover up their nakedness. Fig leaves, yes. They got fig leaves and they began to cover up their intimate body parts. And what did the Lord say? You know what? That's not going to cover you. That's not going to cover your sin. There's no way that these plants or leaves can cover up your sin. So you know what the Lord did? Is He killed an animal. And you know what He did? Is He sacrificed that animal because of their sin. And how do we know this? Because in Genesis chapter 3 verse 7, it says that the Lord gave them the animal hide to cover themselves. The hide, the animal sacrifice, was used as a covering of their sin. It restored the fellowship between God and Adam and Eve because of their sin. That separated them. Let me ask you, when you were young, let's talk about this, right? I remember when I was young, not when I was really little, but I remember young and my parents telling me, don't do this. Sorry. And I remember doing those things that they told me not to do. 
You know, I, when I had kids, right, it, it reminds me of this because when I tell my kids, you know what? When they were little, I used to tell them, don't cross the street, right? Don't run across the street. Don't go anywhere near the street. And the first thing they do is what? Is cross the street. Even us as adults, right? How many times do you pass a sign that says, wet paint, don't touch? And what do you do? You go like this. And then you look at your finger. Nah, there was nothing on there. See, by nature, we're just disobedient people. And immediately when you were children, when you sinned against God, it separated that fellowship between you and God. And Whatever sin that was, whether you said a little lie, which there's no such things as little lies because a lie is a lie, or when you took something that didn't belong to you, or said something that was wrong, whatever that was, that first sin that you did, that you know that that separated you from God? And you needed restoration. You needed to restore that fellowship with God. And that's why Jesus Christ came as the ultimate sacrifice to restore that relationship between you and God. And so we see here, we see the offerings and, you know, as we see that God is instructing, He's instructing Moses as to tell the people when they come to bring the livestock you know, he's going to tell him how to approach him through these sacrifices. Verse 3 goes on to say, If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. And for those of you that don't know the tabernacle, we all know that this is a church, right? We have a building here, right? This is called a church. And what the Jews built is, the Jews decided to build a temple. And this temple was where they would go and worship the Lord. And what we're talking about now is a tabernacle. This was a portable tent where God would come and dwell with them. For us, God doesn't dwell in between four walls or inside of four walls he dwells now where in our hearts right our bodies are the temple of the living god so for the for us this you know this tabernacle we know that it doesn't apply to us but there is much to say to us as to what god is saying to the jews here the first offering that he says it's a burnt sacrifice a burnt offering this sacrifice of the herd it's going to be acceptable to him. And when we talk about a male, you know, when we talk about a male, what is a male cow? It is what? A bull, right? He wants a male without blemish. What does without blemish mean? You know that he wanted perfect animals? He didn't want animals that had any blemishes, any markings, any spots, any disease, any deformities. That's what without blemish means. Many of you know about a little dog that I have. And this little dog that I have is a mini pincher and his name is, or her name is Mia. And this mini pincher that I have I could never offer this dog to the Lord 
And you want to know why? Because this dog is deformed. He has deformities. This dog has diseases. This dog has spots in his eyes. And many of you know what I'm talking about. And this dog can barely walk. But we love Mia. But this dog would never be an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. See, the reason for this is because God wants your very best. Let's talk about this, right? When I talk about God wanting our very best, you know what, if I knew that this dog that I have is deformed, why would I want that dog? You know, when somebody would, if I was to give this dog to somebody else, what would they say? You know, no, 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 keep your dog. I don't want that dog. That dog looks sick. See, we know that, you know what, this isn't a very good gift to give to somebody else. See, this is the same with us. This is a, what, is, what God is requesting of us. I want you to think about this, right? If God is the almighty creator, the maker of heavens and earth, the greatest person in the face of this earth that has always existed, that gives you breath, that allows you to live, that gives you life, that holds this universe in place, why wouldn't you give him your very best? If he's the one that allows you to live, if he's the one that's blessed you with so many spiritual blessings here on earth, and in the afterlife, why do we want to give them anything short of our very best? Let's think about that. See, He is Almighty God. He is a creator of heaven and earth. And when it comes to us, we like, you know what, we like to keep the best for ourselves. That's the way we are as people, right? We're selfish people. And we like to give leftovers to others. But when it comes to God, God says, don't you dare give me leftovers. Who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? You know, I want to read to you from Malachi. And he talks about this very thing in chapter 1, verse 6. He says, a son honors his father. And a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? He's saying, you know what? If I am a master and I am a father, you know what? Give me reverence. Give me respect. Give me honor. This is, this is what the Lord of hosts says to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You know, the priests are saying, how have we despised you? Because we don't give you our best. The Lord is saying, you give me your leftovers. You give me that which is defiled. It says in verse 7, you offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, just like my dog, that which is, you know, which is tainted, which is blemished. Is that not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick... He's talking about the animals. Is that not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? 
Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? You know what? We give more honor to those that are here on earth than we do to God. Think about that. You know what? We, we want to please our bosses. And he's saying you would give them your very best. But to me, God, the creator of all, you give me second best. You give me that which is lame, that which is blind, that which is sick. See, when it comes to our lives, God wants to know that we're, that He's number one in our lives. He wants to know that He is our passion, that we think of Him more than we think of others, of ourselves. You know, it's important as we're going to keep reading as, and we're going to see, you know, what it is that God wants from us. You know, but he talks about, right now, a male. He talks about a male, a male animal. And he also talks about one that is perfect, perfect without blemishes. You know, what is this pointing to? When we think about that, right, it points to Jesus, right? It points to our Lord. Again, just a reminder of who would come and pay the ultimate sacrifice for us. But what I love, what it goes on to say there, right? It says in verse 3, he shall offer it of his own free will. You know, when I look at this, right? One thing that you need to understand about our Lord is he never forces you to do anything. He's not telling them, you know what? You have to come and do this. He doesn't even ask us, you know what? You better come and surrender your life to me. There's no way that he tells us this, right? He doesn't ever do that. He wants us to come what? Freely. Willingly. See, because... If we are forced to do something, when you are forced to do something, that means that you didn't really want to do it, right? You know what? I'll share this with you. Just the other day, one of my children, and I won't tell you who, kids are always great examples, aren't they? At least my kids. But we asked, one of them harmed the other, their sibling. They harmed them, right? And we told this one, we said, you know what, you better, I mean, you need to go and tell your sibling. I don't want to spoil it there. You need to go and tell your sibling you're sorry. And you know what this person did? They go to their sibling and they said, I'm sorry. And put their head down. And my wife and I look at ourselves and we told, this, we told our child, says, you don't mean that, do you? I told him I was sorry. We want you to tell him again. But mean it. And again, I'm sorry. See, it, they didn't mean it. See, they were forced to do something that they didn't want to do. 
See, but when you come willfully, right, willingly and freely, with repentance, it comes from the heart. How many times have you gone to somebody to share with them that you're sorry and you're crying? And you have tears coming out of your eyes and you're going to them and telling them, you know what, I'm sorry for what I did. You know that's from the heart, don't you? That's what the Lord wants from us. You know, I remember I told you, I was, you know, when I first came to the Lord, I was a big yoron. Crybaby, for those of you that don't know what that was. But see, what I was doing is I was lamenting, mourning because of my sin. And I remember when I first came to the Lord, I remember, you know, raising my hand and saying, Yes, Lord, I accept you. And tears, as I was saying the sinner's prayer, were coming down from my eyes. See, that surrender was real. Because when I walked out of that place, you know what happened? I was free. I was free. I was free from the bondage of my sin. Knowing that God forgave me and He deposited His Holy Spirit to live in me. It was awesome. It was a real heartfelt Heart surrendering. You know, that is what God desires of us. You know, when we come to Him freely, these people came to Him freely. See, the Lord wasn't telling them, bring a burnt offering to me. He says, they can come to me freely, willingly, with a burnt offering. And we're going to talk about this in a second. What is symbolized? But as we go on to read in verse 4, it says, And he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Let's talk about this, right? Why did the, the Lord ask them to put their hand on the head of the burnt offering? You know, it always, or I should say, when you put your hand on something, you're identifying yourself with that offering. See, that burnt offering that is being given to the Lord freely, you're identifying yourself with it. That's why you're putting your hand on it. And there is a transference of you into that sacrifice or into that offering or into that animal but I want to be clear on something see because many people when it comes to the burnt offering they believe that they are transferring their guilt or their sin onto that sacrifice but that is incorrect the burnt offering was actual was actually a symbol not of transferring your guilt or your sin, it was transferring you, all of you, into that burnt offering. And the reason I say that is, as we're going to go on to read, that all of this sacrifice, this animal, all of it was given to the Lord. All of it. Every part of that animal was given to the Lord. And so as this sacrifice is given to the Lord, guess what you're doing? You're transferring 
yourself, you're identifying yourself as a total devotion to the Lord. That is what this burnt offering was. See, they know that, you know what, that they messed up. They sinned, right? Man, I fell short. I, I did things I shouldn't do. And, and you know what? I said things I shouldn't have said or I took something that didn't belong to me. Man, I just, I blew it with God. And so he says, you know what? I want to devote myself once again to God. I want to be his. I want to be totally his. I want to give all of myself to the Lord. And so what they did is they did it in the form of this burnt offering. It was a complete surrender to God. See, what happens with many of us is that we don't want to surrender all to the Lord, do we? You know, there's some of us that say, you know what? I still love to drink. You know, I like to get drunk. I like still to take drugs, to smoke pot, or, or do other kinds of drugs, right? You know what? They're still doing that. They're not totally surrendered to the Lord, otherwise they wouldn't do that. They know what drunkenness do, does. They know that the drugs that you take in is a form of witchcraft and you're inviting what? Demons and spirits to come and, and to torment you. You're no longer of sound mind. There's others that say, you know what? Lord, I love you, but you know what? I still, you know what? I'm going to work. I love my job more. You know what? I know that I should be going to church. I know that I should be praying and reading. But you know what? I got to work. I got to make a living. Where's your passion? Others that say, you know what? I got to spend time with my girlfriend, right? Or, or you know what, Lord? I, I can't go to church today because you know what? I'm going to take out my girlfriend and we're going to stay out late and I can't make it to church. Or my wife, you know what, I, I got to give her time and she doesn't like me going to church. Or my husband says, you know what, you know, uh, he gives me a hard time when I go to church. So you know what, I'm just going to stay home and I'm not going to read the Bible or pray to you. Or the kids. You know, putting the kids before the Lord. See, I want you to know one thing. You know, we can put so many things before the Lord. We can put our families, our kids. We can put making money, jobs. To give you an idea of what is your passion, and this will tell you what your passion is, what are you thinking of most throughout the day? That's your passion. Whatever's in your mind throughout the day that you're always thinking about or caring about, 
is your passion. And the Lord says, you know what? I thought I was your passion when you surrendered your heart to me, right? You said that you were surrendering all. But the Lord knows. He knows what is your passion. And he's reminding us today. I want to be your master passion. I want you to be consumed with me and all of me. Thinking of me throughout the day. Not thinking about your, you know, your wife throughout the day, your kids throughout the day. Yes, it's good, but don't let them consume you. God says, I want to consume your mind. I want my word. I want you to be meditating on me and my goodness and my word. I want you to be talking to me, remembering me. See, that's what today's message is about. What is your passion? You know what? God is coming soon. I want you to know that. Don't you want to finish strong? You look at the world today, and I touched a little bit upon it on Sunday. The world around us is falling apart. No one has answers. God is coming soon. If He's coming soon, don't you want to consume yourself with Him? Don't you want to be just doing all that He's asking us to do? See, the Lord told us in His Word, right, to love me with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know what that consumes? Everything. Everything that is in you is consumed in that statement. In those words of God. Are we loving Him with all of our mind, soul, strength, in heart, are we busy with other things? You know, how many times today did you think of God? Once? Two times? Three times? Or maybe zero times? You know where your passion is. Because you know you're thinking of something else and someone else. That's not where God wants us as a people of God. See, the Lord wants us to offer all of us. You know, I love what he says, and this is one of my favorite scriptures from Romans 12. Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, I beg you, listen, I you know, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is your reasonable service for everything that He's done to you. You are to be a living sacrifice, giving all of you to all of Him. I want to share this with you. What is the expression of surrender? The expression of surrender is obedience. Understand that. Because if you are completely and totally surrendered to the Lord, what are you going to do? 
what the master says. That's what you're going to do. You're going to do what the master says. You're not going to do what I say. You're not going to do what others say. You're going to do what his word says. You know, when we look at this, I think to myself, there are so many people that are so fooled because they say, you know what, Lord? I surrendered myself to you at church. I remember, you know what, when I raised my hand and I gave myself to you, Lord. I hear you, but I'm not going to do it now. I'll do it later. I'm not going to listen to you now, Lord. I know you'll understand. You understand my, my needs and my wants. And I'm not going to do it yet. I'll do it later. And later becomes later and later and later. People are so fooled by the words, a simple prayer. They think that that simple prayer has saved them, but yet they don't do what the Master says. They don't do as His Word tells us. Do you know who was an example of this? The first king of Israel. I'm talking about the uh, earthly king. You know what? This guy was, you know what? He was tall. He was handsome. This guy was like, you know what? If you looked at him, you said, man, that man is majestic looking. That was King Saul. And King Saul, right? He was asked by God to do things. He says, you know what, Saul? I want you to go to the Amalekites. And I want you to go wipe them out. Kill them all. Everything that lives in that tribe, I want you to wipe them out. They're my enemies. They don't honor me. They hate everything I represent. Get rid of them. And you know what Saul does? Saul says, You know what, Lord? You're going to understand. I'm going to keep the sheep. I'm going to keep the cattle. I'm going to keep the herd. The best that there is. And I'm going to give them to you. And you know what? They're king. I'm not going to kill him. You know what? I'm going to spare him. And that is when the Lord says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. You thought that by giving me this sacrifice of these animals that I would accept you? First of all, I told you to do something and you disobeyed me. I don't want that. I want people that love me and show me they love me by obeying me. Not by doing what they want to do, but doing what I want to do. Where are you? As, a, as, a, as an individual of the Lord. Do you do what you want to do or do you do what God wants you to do? This is for all of us. We got to make a choice. You know, as we look at the scriptures, the Lord is reminding us of what total surrender means. Not doing what you want to do. Not doing what others want you to do, but doing what the Lord has asked you to do. The Lord told us Himself, Jesus, the one who sustains and keeps everything and creates everything, that created you, that spoke you into existence. He says, if you truly love me, 
You will obey me. As we keep reading here. He talked in verse 4. He says. And it will be accepted. On his behalf to make atonement for him. Atonement. What does this mean? There's a couple of meanings from the Hebrew word. It means to cover. To wipe away. See this burnt offering. That they gave. It would cover their sins. And it would restore the fellowship with God. But it was a reminder that they needed to dedicate themselves. And, and their sin was covered by this sacrifice. You know what caused them to be separated from the Lord. But we know one thing about animal sacrifices. About blood from animals. Could it wipe away their sin? They kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. As they sacrificed animal after animal, they did it because they kept falling away. You know, and they kept coming back and devoting themselves to the Lord. And then they'd fall away. See, but not until Jesus Christ came. You know what, well, when we allowed Him to come into our hearts... For those that truly surrendered your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That you, that you are not falling back into the lifestyle that you once lived. And we are now walking in obedience to God. Let's keep reading here. He says, He shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priest, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all, all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. I want to share this with you. Many of you may not realize this, but who's the one that kills the bull? The person that took it. Can you see that there? It says, he shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priest. See, again, remember, it was what? A sacrifice. You identifying yourself with that Sacrifice to the Lord. And again, an identification of dying to yourself, right? And devoting yourself to who? To the Lord. And guess who would take the blood out? That is the priest's job. That was a priest that took the blood out. And that they would sprinkle it all around the altar. And that, uh, you know, the altar that was there, the altar of burnt offerings. And they would put it on the horn. And then verse 6 goes on to say, And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. You know, as we look at this, right? He's talking about, you know what? You're going to take the skin off. You're going to take the hide off. And you're going to cut it into pieces. And then verse 7 goes on to say, The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then the priest Aaron's son shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water. And the priest shall burn all the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. As you can see, everything was put on the altar. You know, they would cut it into pieces. They would wash it. They would take the hide off and they would burn it on the altar let's keep reading in verse 10 it says 
If his offering is a flocks of the sheep or of the goats, as a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord, again, the person killing it. And the priest Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood all around the altar, and he shall cut it into its pieces with its head and its fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash the entrails and the legs with water. Then the priest shall bring it all and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. So if you didn't bring a bull, another acceptable sacrifice would be a goat, a male goat, and you would do the same thing. Put your hand on the head and, and they would, you know, cut it up and, and they would take the skin off and, and, they would, uh, and they would sacrifice the whole thing to the Lord. Let's keep reading. Verse 14 says, And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar, wring off its head, and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out and the altar, out at the side of the altar. And he shall remove its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side into the place for ashes. Then he shall split it at its wings, but shall not divide it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The last acceptable sacrifice for the burnt offering was a bird, a pigeon, a turtle dove. Why would he allow this and not take bulls or goats or sheep? Because the poor couldn't afford it. There's poor people. Do you remember what Joseph and Mary brought to the temple? They brought a dove because they couldn't afford a bull or a goat. See, the Lord has something for all, right? And they do the same thing. They, they, just, they wring off its head and, and they slice it and they put it on the, on the altar and they sacrifice it to the Lord. But I want to talk about something and we're going to close with this. Did you know that after every sacrifice, what would it say? That it was a sweet aroma to the Lord. Was it the fact that, you know what, when you put beef on a barbecue, man, it smells good, right? When, I know when my neighbors or somebody around me is barbecuing and I'm like, oh man, that smells good. Do you think the Lord is saying, you know what, that smells so good, it is a sweet, such a sweet aroma, I want to go and eat it. No, it has nothing to do with that. I want to share with you what a sweet aroma to the Lord is. See, because the event of all that is taking place, the person freely coming, the person freely giving this animal to sacrifice to the Lord, as he lays his hands upon it, as he slaughters and kills it, as they sprinkle the blood all over the altar. What is a symbolic reason, uh, the symbolic uh, uh, illustration? What does it symbolize? You know what, as he puts his hand on it, I shared with you, right? That they're devoting, they're giving it all to the Lord. 
See, this is what the Lord is saying. You know what a sweet aroma to me is? When you consecrate yourself, when you dedicate yourself, when you completely surrender yourself to me, that is a sweet aroma to me. See, that is what the Lord wants from us. The Lord wants us to be completely devoted, dedicated, consecrated for Him. And when you do this, you know what the Lord says? Man, that's a sweet aroma to me. That's what that means. See, that is what the Lord is calling all of us to do. Are you going to do this today? See, that is what God wants from us. He wants us to, you know what, make Him our master passion. He wants you to just think of Him, to meditate on Him, to obey Him, to love Him by action, not just by words. He says, you know what, when you give yourself completely to me, that is a sweet aroma to me. How many of us want to say, Lord, I want to be a sweet aroma to you. I don't want to be no odor to you. I want to be an aroma to you. Then the decision is yours. Are you freely going to come? Just as the word of God says, are you freely going to come with you to give to me? There's no more animal sacrifices to do. But the Lord told us in Romans 12 that you are a living sacrifice. Are you ready to be that living sacrifice for God? Are you ready? Do you want to do it? This is up to you. He says, I'm not going to force any of you to do it. If you do it, you're going to be sweet, a sweet aroma to me. You know, the choice is ours. You can be like many others that call themselves Christians. That say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. But yet you don't do what he says. Or are we going to be Christians? Devoted, dedicated, consecrated for the Lord, living sacrifice just like he's called us to be. We could be either one. I know which one is more pleasing to the Lord. And I think we're all here because we want to be pleasing to Him, don't we? That's why we're here. We're not here because we want to please ourselves. We're here because we want to please Him. We want to grow in His Word. We want to grow in Him. We want to know Him intimately and personally. And if this is your heart's desire then we're going to live to please Him. We're going to be living sacrifices for Him. With that, let us close. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank You, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, of what a burnt offering is, Lord. You want us, Lord Jesus, to be living sacrifices, Lord. Lord, you want us to be a sweet aroma. You don't want us to love ourselves or the world and the things of this world. Your desire is that we would be sold out for you. That we would be passionate about you. That we would be on fire for you, Lord. That we would be, Lord Jesus, 
people that are called to be holy, Lord. For you are holy, Lord. If there are those here that want to make a new commitment to the Lord, a commitment to be consecrated, dedicated, committed to Him, you can do that now. If anyone wants to do this, raise your hand. Amen, amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen, amen. This is a commitment to be consecrated, to be dedicated to the Lord. Anyone else? Amen, amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you saw all these hands that went up, Lord. Lord, their response to you is they want to be sold out for you, Lord. These people are saying, Lord Jesus, I want to make you my passion, my master passion. Not the world or not myself. I want to make you, not the things that are in this world, the pleasures of sin, none of that. They want to make you their master passion. And they want others to see that you are their master passion. Help them to be living sacrifices for you, Lord. Lord, we know that you have already done it by your spirit to give them the power to do this very thing. Lord, I lift up my hand too, Lord. Lord, I want to be completely consecrated and devoted to you, Lord. I don't want nothing to interfere with my love for you, Lord. Lord, I lay aside those things, Lord, that have separated, Lord, a complete devotion to you. Lord, I love you, Lord. And these people that have raised their hand are also saying that they love you, Lord. Lord, what can you do with people that are sold out for you? You can change the world. Use us to change the world that we live in, Lord. Use us, Lord Jesus, for your glory and for your honor, Lord. Nothing for us. Everything for you, Lord. Lord, I just want to thank you for your word today. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stay.